My stomach's growling this morning. I just finished my breakfast. Had some eggs on some toast. Actually, I tried, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of eggs in a basket before. At least that's what we call them. And I did eggs in a basket, but used a bagel instead. And it turned out terrible. (laughs) I cut the center of the bagel out more and put two eggs in it instead of one egg. And neither one of the eggs kind of fully cooked. So it was disgusting. And I ate as much of it as I could and then threw it away and then made me some scrambled eggs on toast. So that's how my morning's going. I am continually surprised at how well this podcast is doing. (laughs) I don't know why. It's a good podcast. But uh, I love that we've been doing it for three years now and we just continually get new listeners and new subscribers. And that's way, way cool. If you are a brand new listener to the podcast, welcome. Thank you for tuning in. If you are a long-time listener, but first-time caller, that'd be awesome if we could take phone calls. Welcome back to the podcast for the universe. Do me a favor and share the podcast. I don't care how you do it, but tell somebody about the podcast or share it like on social media like we share everything else. Go to Facebook, go to Instagram, tell the world about the podcast simply so that more people can find the podcast and listen to the podcast. Podcasting in general is kind of exploding right now, and everybody and their dog has a podcast. Actually, we got to start a podcast for our dog, Angel. It's going to be called The Nap Chronicles. But it's a wonderful, wonderful way to um, disseminate information. It's a wonderful way to absorb information. It's a wonderful way to uh, spark ideas and share ideas and all that kind of different stuff. So I'm very grateful to be part of the podcasting world. And I'm very grateful that we get to share all of these episodes with everybody out there. Remember, energieslovepodcast.com. Quickest and easiest way to find all the information and all the places to subscribe and listen. Or go to your favorite podcasting app, because regardless of which one it is, you're going to be able to find this podcast. Because you're listening to this podcast. See how easy and convenient that is? This episode is brought to you by InBody Yoga Academy. InBody Yoga Academy is located in Salt Lake City, Utah. As a matter of fact, it's 1597 South, 1100 East. InBody is a center for yoga, mindfulness, and yoga therapy classes, as well as teacher trainings. At InBody, they have over 15 years of experience training yoga teachers. The aim of the school is to guide the person into a greater understanding of their own gifts, both in their yoga practice and in their everyday life. If you haven't tried yoga before and you don't know anything at all about yoga, I recommend, especially if you live in the valley, and by the valley I mean like the Salt Lake Valley, the Wasatch Front, go check them out at InBody Yoga. So go check them out. It's InBodyAcademy.com, or you can find them on Facebook at InBody Yoga Academy. Also, if you go to our website, EnergyIsLovePodcast.com, click on the Sponsors tab, you can find a link to their website and find out more information. Also, this is the last week you can get your (laughs) t-shirts. We've sold tons and tons. Actually, we haven't sold any t-shirts, but it's fun. And if you're interested, go to our website. Click on the little banner up top. It'll take you to the website where you can purchase your Energies Love t-shirt and all the proceeds, which is like $1.50, I think, that we actually make off the t-shirts. goes right back into the podcast. So go check them out. Show your love and sport a t-shirt or hoodie. There's also some cool hoodies. So on today's episode, the guest is Carlos Casas. 
Carlos is a friend of mine that I met actually at the beginning of the year back in January. It's kind of a, it's one of those friendships, one of those experiences, one of those times that you cross paths with somebody that's kind of, you know, meant to be. You could definitely tell that the universe had spun in a certain way and put Carlos and I in the same place at the same time. He is the owner of Urban Flow in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. So last month in January, went out there and set up some tanks for Carlos and his crew. I got to spend a lot of time there because it was a big center. They've got six tanks, which gave me a lot of time to chat with Carlos and get to know him. And at the time, I had a ton of work and we were super busy. So I didn't actually bring any of my podcasting equipment with me, which sucked because I really liked Carlos and we got along. And he was a super cool guy that I would have totally had on the podcast because we had some really interesting conversations that first time that we met. Well, lo and behold, a very short time after that, I was back east once again, this time in Maryland, but it was only like an hour away from Carlos. So we got the opportunity to sit down and record a podcast. I drove out to his place again. We got to hang out in his man cave slash office at his house, which let's call it his man office. And we sat down right in the center and recorded this fun episode. Carlos is a super cool guy. He came from the corporate world. Um, I think he has a background in, uh, I think he worked for IBM for a while. I know he spent some time working for GoPro. And eventually got to the point where he wanted to go into business for himself. And hence opening up his own float center there in Rehoboth. And we just sat down and chatted about a slew of different topics. We got into... um, mental health, which is something that I love talking about. We both discuss about anxiety and stress and OCD and all sorts of different stuff that we both kind of struggle with, as well as the way that it influences our life and our relationships and being dads and all sorts of different stuff. But it's a great episode. Carlos is an awesome guy, and I really appreciate him taking the time to be on the podcast. Carlos, much love. Thank you. Thank you very much. So now, folks, sit back and relax. A wonderful episode of the Energies Love Podcast with Carlos Casas, the owner of Urban Float, Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Here we go. You're listening to the Energy is Love Podcast. Energy is love. The Energy is the Love Podcast. The Energy is Love Podcast. Energy is love. The Energy is Love Podcast. The podcast for the universe. The Energy is Love Podcast. That's cool. Yeah. And then we get to fight the squeaky chairs. Oh, man. I can get a different chair. It totally works. It's not a big deal. Everything that I'm doing is making it squeak. Yeah. You just have to be very conscious of how you move. So it's going to cause you to slow down, be really connected, really present. How am I moving? Right? That's brilliant. <laughs> not by design. It's just kind of... <laughs> so, wow. Carlos. Yes, sir. Thank you very, very much for taking the time to do this. I'm very, very excited. I'm honored. When we met, I was really bummed out that I didn't bring my shit with me the first time because in the brief time that we got to hang out and talk and connect, I was like totally a guy I want to have on the podcast. So I'm very excited to be back and get the opportunity to interview. I'm honored, man. It's awesome (laughs) to see you again. You were amazing when you were here and it not, it's not beyond what you've done for urban float and for me and my family. So it's, uh, I'm totally honored and privileged. No, thank you. So my first question I have to ask you, cause I don't think I realized, or I don't think I learned this about you last time. And I may have, 
there's probably going to be shit that I ask you that you're like, yeah, I already told you that, but there was so much going on last time. Um, where are you from? Like originally, where did you grow up? So I was born in Philadelphia, right outside of Philadelphia in Darby, Pennsylvania, and spent a couple of years there. My sister was born a year later and we moved to Savannah, Georgia for like four years. Then I, we moved to Newark, Delaware, which is an hour and a half north of here. You drove, drove through here, there on your way down here. And um, that's, I would say I'm from the Philadelphia suburbs or from Northern Delaware originally. And we moved to Rehoboth Beach, 2007. So you've been here, like, what's that, like 12 years? Mm-hmm. You've been here a while. Mm-hmm. I love, because uh, we're in your office, and this is your man cave. I don't know if you realize it or not, but it's totally your man cave. And uh, it's freaking awesome. While I was sitting in here while we were getting ready, I would, the, the whole concept and idea of a man cave, like, I wish I had a man cave. I don't have a man cave at home. But I think that, because I was sitting here, and I'm like, looking around, and from what I know about you in the time that we've spent uh, getting to know one another, I'm like, this is everything that you love. Right. The little bit that I know about you. And right. what what I find fascinating is that like it's crammed into one little room. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one area that I feel like I can control. There's two areas in my house I think I can control. My office and my truck. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> Yeah. And that's so funny. Like, I think that's so common. You know what I mean? Guys get their man cave so then they can keep all their shit in one little spot (laughs) and nobody else has to deal with it or look at it or, you know. It's my responsibility. You know, my wife doesn't have to clean up after me. It's, uh, yeah, it's kind of where I jam all my hobbies into one. I have a little bit of everything in here and I work out of here and I play out of here. And yeah, it's been... Yeah, I'm fairly, I'm definitely fortunate to have a little space in the house because you can tell the other parts of the house don't have my touch. (laughs) (laughs) So we used to ask people what form of mental illness they suffer from. That was like my go-to question last year. We would start every episode with what form of mental illness do you suffer from? Or if you'd like to look at it as where do you struggle in regards to your, um, mental uh, balance, mental well-being, mental health. So that's what I used to ask people. And then I got like kind of tired talking about everybody's mental illness. And a lot of times I think people, some people were really good at answering the question and some people like really sucked at it. And they're like, I don't have anything. I guess I'm a little depressed every now and then. But if we could, I guess we can because it's the podcast and I can ask you whatever I want. (laughs) That's right. You're Um, the host. What... What do you think you struggle with when it comes to staying balanced, happy, centered? What typically gets you caught up and stuck? Gosh, that's, man, you just started off with a doozy, huh? Um, Life is hectic at the moment. Um, That's a hard question to answer without thinking about it a little bit and thinking internally. Right now, I mean, in the present moment, just staying ahead um, and balancing work and the the stress of a startup business and as well as making sure the family and the 
the balance of, of the house and my family are okay. Um, but what I struggle with is just making sure that I'm doing everything I can to provide and, uh, do what I need to do to make, uh, help my team that works for me, uh, happy and that they're executing and that they're enjoying what they're doing as well as my family at home, having the same sort of balance and having, having their support and me supporting them. So it's kind of, I guess, if I had to answer that question, it's juggling all of that is uh, kind of the forefront of my mind, I guess. And I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's something that I created or that I thrive in versus a, and uh, that I've always had to deal with since I started working professionally, you know. Does that sort of answer your question? <laughs> yeah. So you struggle with juggling things in life. Yeah, I guess so. Right. Yeah. And then finding balance for myself personally. You mean you see my man cave and all of this stuff has a lot of dust on it because <laughs> I don't really touch it anymore, you know? Yeah. So, um, or I haven't in a long time. So it's, you know, finding those, the balance of it all. Um, but honestly, like seeing my family happy and my team at work happy, that also gives me solemn and gives me peace. So, and I strive to, I don't know if that's a, if I strive too hard for it to, to make sure all of those pieces are okay, because I feel like when they are, at least in my mind, they can do their thing. So I feel like I'm an enabler in that way. And I, and I want to be an enabler. Like when you came, the coffee every morning and making sure you were fine. And that we, I felt that if I took care of you and I felt like if I was there for you when you needed me, you would do that much more to help my business, you know? And that's how I feel about everything. Well, we could pick that apart like super, super <laughs> <laughs> Really? Yeah. 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 I think there's a lot there. Um, I would be, I would be so, I would be so curious of what you think of that. I don't, again, I don't know if that's, but that's what goes through my mind, I guess, you know, whether good, bad or indifferent. So first off, <clears throat> I don't think anybody would classify what you just described as a mental illness. Like that's just life and dealing with life. So what would you, what would you, uh, hmm. what would you describe as if you were going to say you had a mental illness or if you were going to go see a doctor and a doctor was going to diagnose you with a mental illness, what would they diagnose you with? Gosh. They would definitely diagnose me with anxiety. They would diagnose me with depression. They would diagnose me with PTSD. They would probably like after I really, really got into it, they would probably say that I'm on the spectrum of bipolar in some way, shape or form as well. Because I have very cyclical moods, my emotions and the way that I kind of um, <clears throat> just am is very like cyclical. I don't mm -hmm. have really easily trackable ups and downs mm -hmm. in my life. And so maybe not necessarily bipolar. What's oh seasonal affective disorder. Have you ever heard of that mm -hmm. one? It's sad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So seasonal depression. Yeah. Right. So I've heard of that too. Um, I guess if I were to look at myself... In that way, maybe a little bit of 
uh, was it called? Obsessive compulsive OCD. Yeah. Is that what that is? Um, Or no? Yeah. Maybe that's what that is. Um, like for example, I have a wall of guitars here and I'll, you know, I could obsess. I used to obsess over them a lot to make sure that they were exactly the way they needed to be. And if they weren't, I would sell them. You know, and like, that's not right. Didn't sound right. I'll just get one just like it to make sure it sounds right. And it's got what I needed out of it. So there was probably some of that. Um, yeah, I don't, that my office and my workspace, they make fun of me. My wife makes fun of me. It's like always most of the time, you know, as orderly or, or in place as they could be to, to help me do my job so i don't know if that's ocd or not if i had to think of something do you feel when everything is in place so like if you come home or you're in your office or Mm -hmm. whatever the case may be when everything is in the place that it's supposed to be in and that you like it in Mm -hmm. do you feel much more relaxed like you're able to kind of just relax literally 100 percent. and that was one of the things that my wife and I would talk about all the time because when I used to travel for work a lot and here with this new startup business, I would ask her the one thing that you could help me with is maintaining order here because it's chaotic out there. So I can't always control what's out there, but if you could help me control what's in here, it'll lower my anxiety. You're like uncovering things. <laughs> Bastard. Well, it's like super common. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I'm exactly the same way. Like I was on the phone with Steph today on my drive over here. And she was talking about how she's, because I'll, I'll be home tomorrow and she'll get the opportunity to clean the house. Mm-hmm. And I always tell her like, I don't care if the house is clean. But she knows that if I come home, like as soon as I walk into our kitchen at home, if the counter is mixed, like if there's stuff on the counter, if stuff's disorganized, if there's dishes, you know, kicking around or whatever. You get anxious. I do. And I start right. cleaning and I start putting things Same. away and I start organizing Same. things the way that I like them. And she internalizes it and thinks that somehow she's not a good wife or right. she's not a good mom. And she's, you know, she's like, God, I'm so sorry that I didn't have the house clean. I don't give a shit if the house is clean at all. <laughs> but my sanity in my own internal processing and the way that I can like self-soothe myself and make myself feel better is by fiddling around, organizing and putting shit where I like it. And you don't have to like it there. I don't care where you want stuff to go. But it's soothing. But it's soothing and it's relaxing for me. And it's literally just my outward coping mechanism for the stress and anxiety that I may be feeling internally. That's exactly right. You and I are the same that way. (laughs) that's That's pretty much how Amy and I, she knows that in her list of priorities to what Steph is the same, maybe this cleaning or or is not on the list of priorities because she's got to go to the grocery store or she's got to do this or do that. And so doing this for me may not be the biggest priority for her, but she's, but we're slowly getting aligned there. She knows that, especially with what's happened over the past few months, that that's going to help. So yeah, you and I are very similar like that in my opinion. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I mean, it's a super common thing, right? Yeah. A lot of times people that like, how long have you been married? 2001. So 18 years. Yeah. So like, that's a pretty common fight where people 
don't line up in that space where like one person likes the house this way and the other person likes the house that way and they don't really align right. and meet up and then they butt heads over, you know, I, I used to be really, really bad. Like I used to reload the dishwasher and put the dishwasher the way that I liked it. I used to fold towels a certain way. That's OCD. Yeah. Yeah. I used to be really, really bad. And I had to let a lot of that stuff go because it was just too, that alone was causing too much tension and too much totally. stress on everybody mm -hmm. where you felt like, and I mean, for me, I've gone in and I've like psychoanalyzed and thought about all of these different things so many times in so many different ways. And a lot of them, um, are better, but the, the thing that I got to the point with was it's not that there's anything wrong with me. It's just that practice of balancing all of those spaces, right? Because there's nothing wrong with liking stuff in a certain way or liking things <clears throat> a certain way. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think the part where it starts to become it, an issue is when it starts to cause tension, when it starts to right. cause more stress and more anxiety, not just for who you are, but also the people around you and the people that you love. And then that's when it's like on the other side of the spectrum where you probably need to rein it in a little bit. So I had to let a lot of that stuff go, <clears throat> but it's a practice and it still creeps in all the time. That's very self-aware, right? That's very self-aware. <laughs> yeah, like 38 years of trying to get to that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's huge, right? So self-awareness is to me, you know, your impact, how you impact others as as it pertains to your personality and uniqueness that you bring to the table so having that to me is incredibly important in the way you build relationships and uh so I'll, let me ask you this craig so how do you what is your self-care on that how do you cope and manage that um a lot of it is just literally like letting it go so the practice of letting something go. So I know, for example, I'm going to go home tomorrow and there's going to be shit that I immediately want to clear off the counter and that I want to straighten up. And I have to fight against that urge and just not do it. And it's hard. It's actually really, really hard to not do that. And so I have to just simply, you know, look at whatever it is, look at the cups on the counter, look at the you know, it's not even like dishes. This is how anal I am at times where I will reorganize the dishes in the sink. So we have dirty dishes in the sink and just the chaos of the dirty dishes piled up in the sink causes me stress. So you I organize will, it. I will reorganize dirty dishes. I did that this sink. morning, dude. So then that way, <laughs> but I justify that simple action as like, it makes more sense because then we still have usable space in the sink that we can use and clean and rinse off and fill up. <laughs> So I will reorganize dirty fucking dishes in the sink instead of like taking that time and just putting them in the dishwasher. I did that like this that. morning, man. I, they were piled and they weren't right. And I said, you know what? These aren't going to soak the right way because there's food on them. So I reorganized it, reran the water. So the water is all over the, the plate. So that way the food's easy to get off. And I came home this afternoon. They're still sitting there. I put them away. The food was easy to get off because I reorganized the dishes. Amy's going to listen to this podcast and dude, she's going to like pull me aside. You know that, right? She's like, we need to talk. <laughs> but the, the way you just described that, like I, you know, I rinsed them off so that it made sense so that it was easier to do this. Right. You know, wipe them off, clean right. them up. Like they weren't organized or they weren't right. put in there the right way. Right. Like exactly. there's not really a right way to put a dirty dish in a sink, Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> 
I might. But I did that this morning, man. Yeah, my intellectual brain knows that, right? There's no right way to put a dirty dish in a sink. But then I'd look at it and I'm like, holy shit, that dish is totally in the sink the wrong way. Because you're right. I'll do the same thing where it's got to soak the right way. It's right, got, right. And with kids, you got kids. Right. I mean, they don't do shit right. They're not no. putting dishes in the sink no. the right way. No, they're putting turkey dinners in the dishwasher, man. Yeah. You know? That was the practice. The practice of just letting all of that little mundane shit go because it doesn't really make a difference. But here's the issue that I have or that, I'm, that you are identifying is when you do let it go, then how you deal with the anxiety of it being there. When you walk by it every day or every other other hour, especially when I used to work out of this office and I still do occasionally and the chaos that's around my office, this is the one place I can control, right? But the outside of it is hard because, you know, Amy's managing the household and the kids and the schedules and the driving and the stuff's just not going to get done, right? So that's where the, that's where that, magic pill button whatever the magic is to let that go but not increase anxiety okay you ready oh boy so <laughs> the dishes are the outward manifestation of the anxiety that's built up inside that's not being dealt with right so i have all the stress and all the anxiety inside that is not being dealt with and it manifests outwardly with dishes or with the countertop, or with the kids' shoes at the front door, or whatever it is. That's the outward manifestation of the anxiety inside that is built up inside and isn't being felt and isn't being processed. So the fix to the anxiety where letting go of the dishes is much easier, where the dishes really don't make a damn bit of concern, who cares, is dealing with the anxiety built up inside. And then you're like, well, what's anxiety? right? Anxiety is a word that we use to describe a feeling that we have. Well, what's the feeling of anxiety? So when you feel anxious, when you feel that anxiety inside, what does that feel like? It, for me, I find it manifests itself when I'm tired. You know, you know, of all people travel the world, you're tired. You come home from a long day of work and to me, it, it just, I, I have less patience, Amy would say, and I don't have the same amount of mental fortitude that I had that morning when I was, or that stuff would, I would just let it go. You know, I would let it go and no big deal. I walk out of work. I had a bad day at work or whatever. I come home and it's not done. I'm like, ah. and then I end up doing it, which makes it even worse. Cause then you have that underlying resentment, you know, then you go to you know, then you can go to bed. I don't want to like, oh, who's watching? <laughs> but you know, you you take that with you, and then it just it's just another it's just another card on the deck of car, the card house. And you just keep building that card house really high, and then that card flicks off, and it, the whole the whole card house crumbles. And then you're like, ah, oh, god damn it! You know, like oh boy. So that and Amy would say, you know that's when I would crash or, you know, I, you know, I would snap, whatever that is, you know, it's, but that's, you're right, Craig, you know, you, so, so you didn't answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> the question is I kind of figured I didn't, what does it feel like when you feel anxious? Not, not another way that it manifests in the outcome of your anxiety when it builds up too much, 
But what does it feel like when you feel anxious? Feels correct. Shitty. Feels shitty. Feels shitty. Okay. What does the shitty feel like? Feels almost, gosh, the word that popped in my head was helpless, I guess. Um, Like it's out of control. Like I couldn't, I couldn't help that part. Um, Yeah. I mean... What does shitty feel like? Shitty feels like shitty. Helpless, out of control. Yeah. Those are good those are good words to describe the way that it feels. All right. That's the way I've, that's the way it feels for me a lot of times. Yeah? Mm-hmm. What is it what else does it feel like to you? Mm. When I feel anxious. I feel nervous. Like I don't feel safe in the moment. Like I feel very nervous. Like, I, do you know what I mean? Where it's like, I don't know what's coming next. I feel very nervous. Mm. Um, I feel on edge. Like I don't feel relaxed. I don't feel at ease. I feel very much on edge. I'm waiting for something to happen and I need to be ready when that thing happens. Um, just a lot of that kind of similar tone of unease, unrest, uh, definitely uncomfortable, not not relaxed, not at peace, not okay. Right. All those kind of different things. On edge is a definitely a great um, description of how I feel sometimes. And oftentimes, especially lately, it's because of the, the startup. We're so busy that I'll come home just completely exhausted. So I'm just tunnel vision. I don't even see the rest of it. You know, I'll just go to bed and get up the next day and grind it out again, you know, and gosh, my team's going to hear this. <laughs> like, Oh God, what's wrong with this guy? <laughs> no, that's the thing is like, that's why I like talking about that is because there's nothing yeah. wrong with you. Like there's nothing wrong with any of us. Right. Do you know what I mean? You and I grew up on complete opposite sides of this country, and yet we have very similar characteristics, very similar traits, very similar ways of behaving and acting. And yet, you know, other than that, there's, there's actually, there's probably a lot more shit that we have in common than we have not in common, just because people are so similar to one another. And that's why I like talking about mental health, mental wellness. Because everybody deals with it. Everybody, do you know what I mean? You would go talk to somebody and be like, yeah, Carlos is fine. There's nothing wrong with him. And then you would go talk to like an actual trained clinical psychologist or whatever. And they'd be like, oh yeah, Carlos has anxiety. Carlos suffers from some OCD. He's got all these other kind of issues that we could label, but throw all those fucking labels away because it doesn't really matter. Right. That's where the stigma is attached. That's where the people have taken those words and made them more powerful than they really are when really you're just a guy that is living his life trying to do what he can trying to make his family happy make everybody around him happy do all these different things to balance his life and in the meantime he's got all this internal struggle and all these ways of success and failure in that space of balance and that's super normal there's nothing abnormal about that everybody deals with that so in your travels and dealing and working with men and well, your wellness coaching, is that a common theme in, in, in our demographic of the uh, gender? I think it's a common theme in just people. Okay. Do you know what I mean? I think 
it the anxiety that unrest that comes from you know life where we're always kind of on edge and we're very anxious i think that's a really common thing that people experience and deal with it's just how it outwardly manifests that mm-hmm. looks differently mm-hmm. and so that's unique to the individual and there's some commonalities in that space but how we choose to not even choose because sometimes those choices are you know we don't like i don't even have control sometimes of right. straightening up the dishes right I, I can't stop that and i mean we're talking like really mild stuff obviously straightening dishes and reorganizing dirty dishes that's not that big of a deal but there's some big deals of the way that stuff manifests and outwardly comes out that that's the stuff that really starts to have an impact on your life when behaviors and actions manifest outwardly into your life and into your relationships and into your experiences. And then that's where you get into the space of all sorts of different stuff that we could go down the whole other rabbit hole of ways that you've also, I'm undoubtedly, I'm sure you've had an experience or many experiences in your life where you've had unhealthy things manifest for you. Oh yeah. Certainly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we could spend two oh hours. Oh my God. On that. You're going to stay here all week. <laughs> <laughs> but I think bringing awareness to it. So like, yeah. you know, that's the only way you're ever going to change. That's the only way you're ever going to bring something back in balance. And I'm, I'm so conscious of the way I talk to myself, Carlos. I'm so conscious of the internal dialogue and the way that I view things. So I just said, that's the way you change. What do I need to change? I don't need to change anything. I'm perfectly fine the way that I am. Right. There's nothing wrong with me. Right. The idea that we have to change something insinuates undertone of it, that there's something wrong. There's nothing wrong with me. I just have a space that I have to balance. It's like a scale, right? There's too much on this side, so I need to even it out and put some more on this side and just balance that space back out. And so I'm very, very conscious. So I think everybody's that same way. People that are like heavily deep into their mental illness, whatever it may be. Now, it's not to say that there aren't people that are schizophrenic or extremely bipolar where they have massive manic swings and then they're super depressed and it's not minimizing mental illness thinking that it's just a matter of balance because there's times that it's not just a matter of balance right um but i think the vast majority of people it is that space of how do i balance this and what is the practice of balancing out this space not there's a problem i need to fix it so then i can change and then i can move on and be a better person that's like self-awareness right and and knowing what your own personal limitations are and then your coping strategies with it and that's something that we all should continue to strive to work work on right personal limitations what are your personal limitations give me an example i'm not sure personal limitations yeah like that's your word those are your words oh my word you Uh, just said your own personal limitations yeah i'm aware of my there are certain things that I can't do or I limit myself or I'm not, I guess for lack of a better word, not skilled enough yet to handle it. So like, for example, the the dirty dishes example that you meant, you know, I, I have to work on that. I'm limited in my coping strategy to just at least right as I work on it, it's getting better to let things go to your words. You've actually... The third, second or third day I met you, <clears throat> I told you about my struggles with floating or the initially and you, that word, those two words, letting go has probably been said over a hundred times a day from my staff and I, and I manifested from when you had and I had that, you and I had that conversation actually 
it was uh insightful so that's that part was very <laughs> the like kind of the clouds parted a little bit and uh letting go i mean that's that's that to me is wow that was like let it go let things drift down and then um my uh our manager at the at the float spa at urban float you know she had this amazing analogy of not judging your thoughts don't judge your thoughts let them flow in and out and watch him pass brilliant i was so impressed i was texting her make sure you tell your whole staff that like because it you your your expertise and 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 hearing your experience on how to deal and how to let things go and not let things manifest and hearing maxine talk about finding that mental space and not judging i was like wow that's something that's so advanced that i think it would be cool to bring awareness to that um whether it's sociological or psychological um these chairs are like a whole nother character it's on like we're in a podcast. haunted house man <laughs> i love it god so sorry man it's good i like it haunted house um that concept and idea this is something that came up recently for me when i was talking to one of my kids and uh, it's not like i didn't invent it by any means it's not uncommon but that whole concept and idea that your thoughts aren't yours right that they're separate from who you are to a certain extent like the whole ego and the ego is Mm -hmm. that thought process Mm -hmm. that takes place and i tried to explain it to my daughter because i'm still kind of on the fence but i like to fuck around with ideas that like turn into beliefs eventually but in the meantime they're just ideas and then when they're an idea i get to flesh them out i get to look at them i get to analyze them i get to throw them out and wait for them to come back two years later or whatever the case may be and eventually the ones that stick around long enough that i can look at and kind of dissect and really dive into eventually they turn into like a belief and then a belief for me is a much more concrete thing that i kind of use to structure my life around right That's why the Energy is Love podcast is the Energy is Love podcast. Because for me, the belief is energy is love. Mm -hmm. So the ego, the -hmm. thought process that goes on, the way I described it to my daughter, I was having a conversation with her because she was talking about all the things that she was struggling with. She's 16. She'll be 17 this year. And she's going through all that stuff that normal to go through, right? You're the way that you're viewed by your friends, your place in life, what you're doing, you're failing, you're not succeeding, all these kind of different things. And I told her, I'm like, all those thoughts that you have about yourself, all those things that you run through your mind and that you say to yourself, literally your whole internal dialogue all the time, because everybody has one. What if that was just somebody else talking to you? What if that was just somebody else saying everything to you? Because if you think about the way your internal dialogue works, a lot of times it's negative. That's very common. Everybody's internal dialogue typically focuses on negative shit and what we haven't done or how we're failing. What if that's just somebody standing next to you saying, Carlos, like you screwed up. Carlos, why didn't you do it this way? Carlos, why did you do that? Carlos, this, Carlos, that. And it's just a separate person. So you can either choose to listen to that person or not. You don't have to listen to that person telling you everything that you've done wrong. You can simply just not listen to them. And then it's like, well, how do I not listen to myself? Well, it's not yourself. It's a separate person. It's somebody else looking at your life 
and judging you for the way that you're choosing to live your life. And they're telling you that you did this right or you did that right or whatever the case may be. Because sometimes it's positive, but the most of the time it tends to be on the negative side. Definitely for that age and I think just kids in general, right? I'm in the same space. I'm 38 years old and mine constantly is you're a dumbass. Why did you do that? You screwed up. Way to go. How are you going to fix that idiot? Like my internal dialogue is not positive. <laughs> <laughs> well, so what, what's your opinion on the other side of that spectrum? I've met incredibly successful people in life who have the ego the size of Jupiter who, where I also think like, man, that guy goes home. He probably thinks that he owns the world. Like he can't do anything wrong. And it's almost, he almost said, I've had conversations with people like that and they've actually admitted it to me. Like I'll walk into a room and I know that I'm the smartest person in this room and it's gotten them into trouble, right? That it impacts their relationships with others. They're never wrong. So to your point about negative reflection of yourself, there is this overinflated ego at least that maybe there is negative and he's just not being truthful to me. But do you think there's that other side as well, Craig? Um, I think there is that other side, but so your example of that person that has the overinflated ego where they're always thinking that they're the smartest person when they walk into a room. So let's use the same thing where we just separate those two things and they have a person that follows them around and tells them all the time that they're amazing, that they're incredible and that they're the smartest person in the room. Is that, that's, there's no balance there, right? Mm -hmm. There's no space in there where um, it's the opposite end of the spectrum. So like everything else, we have to bring that outside person around with us and balance them out. It's the same thing of the devil and the angel on your shoulders, mm, right? where you got the devil on one shoulder telling you to fuck everything up and burn the house down, <laughs> and the angel on the shoulder that's like, everything's okay, we love everybody, it's not a big deal, right. just let it go. The place in the middle is us. So yes. we have to be us. We have to separate from the two on the shoulder and just be who we are. Because sometimes I am, let's burn everything down. Sometimes I have road rage and I'm like, seriously? Oh, yeah. Like I it's know. on. Yeah. And then there's other times I'm like, it's okay. I'll just give it up to the universe. And that person's probably having a bad day, you know, love and light. But that's not who I am. Who I am is the person in the middle. And I just have to be who I am. So that's the balance space for me. And then it's separating from those two opposite ends of the spectrum and those two mindsets. And when those thoughts come, when that stuff flows through my head, just looking at it as somebody else talking to me, not me talking, somebody else talking. Because that person, whether it's on one end of the spectrum or another, is judging. Mm -hmm. It's judging. They're trying to look at my life from their shoes but they're not really in my shoes. Only I am. So I can only, cause think about it, right? When we're negative to ourselves, it's never real. It's not the truth of things. We're always way harder, harder on ourselves than we really need to be. Right. It's not reality of where we presently at. A lot mm -hmm. of times we're future casting and we're worried about what's going to happen or we're looking at the past and we're judging ourselves. Even when we're in the present moment, you're like, you're an idiot, you're an idiot, you're screwing up. Like that's not really the case. We're not really screwing up. Mm -mm. And then when the love and light comes in and the, everything's okay and just let it go, that's not really the case either. So like agree. separate and like, okay, thank you for giving me that insight, but you're looking at my life from the outside. 
you're giving me a perspective to look at, but that's your perspective. That's not mine. I don't need to listen to you all the time because that's your perspective of the life that I'm living. Like it's super fucking hard to do. And I'm not even saying that it's like, do you know what I mean? It's just some right. crazy ass conversation on a podcast. No, it's insightful. I think what's your opinion then on, yeah, the, the everything is great and the everything is, man, why'd you fuck that shit up, dude? Like the judgy side. And then there's this like, hey, it's all flowers and strawberry fields. It happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. What's your opinion on that? Well, I think everything does happen for a reason. Do you know what I mean? I don't think there are mistakes. I don't think there are accidents. I don't think there are wrong choices. I think everything happens for a reason because I think us as individuals are always right where we are supposed to be. So that means that I can never make a wrong decision. That means that I can never, you know, turn left when I should have turned right because everything happens for a reason. Okay. Gotta soak that one in. <laughs> yeah. I don't like it. Do you know what I mean? Right. But for me, that's really a belief. It's not a it's not an idea or a thought anymore. That's really a belief. But it doesn't mean that I like it. Like it mm -hmm. sucks. Mm -hmm. I don't like that things happen. And a lot of times I'll get stuck in the space of why the fuck did this have to happen? Why did you know, why is this going on? Why did this have to happen? Mm -hmm. But every single experience that I've ever had where something has happened that I didn't want to happen, you know, when I lived through an experience or I went through something where I would have asked myself, why did this have to happen? I'm so angry. I'm so pissed off. God, mm -hmm. universe, whatever it is. If I give it enough time, there was reason for that. Something came from that experience. And oftentimes it's even things that I can't see, right? There were, it really came in the whole concept of like, there's no wrong or right, or there's no like, good choice, bad choice, that we're always right where we're supposed to be really got solidified for me when I was a police officer because there mm. was nothing but, I shouldn't say nothing, but a lot of times it was like, why the hell did this have to happen? Do you know what I mean? Right. Watching something happen, being a part of an experience that took place. I'm like, there's no reason for this. Why did this have to happen? Right. But then you could see sometimes, and not all the time, but you could see the the waves, the repercussions, the the ripples of that one singular event and what took place. And then if we just blow out time and space and not be concerned with either of those things, who knows what the ripples are? Because so often I think that it's the energy exchange that takes place. So whatever happens between two people intersecting and engaging in whatever may take place during that time period, it's the energy exchange that needs to take place. And sometimes we don't see those rippling effects of that energy in the big grand scheme of the universe and the spin and all that kind of jazz. And that's that energy that if affects that the the reason or the cause of things happening that you might get pissed off about is that what you're saying the the energy between two things and then the ripple effect that it happens across a pool of people yeah that's the reason for it but it's not one singular reason right mm -hmm. there's always multiple reasons for something to take place hmm. like nothing ever happens for one reason Something always happened. Like for, I mean, you open up Urban Float. You didn't do that for one reason. Yeah. There's a thousand reasons that took place. Yeah. And the ripple effect of that one decision that you guys made to open up that center is going to have massive rippling effect for everybody that walks through that door. Right. 
So we can't solidify that one little simple decision as that's the one reason why that took place. There's thousands of reasons why that took sure. place. Sure. And it's the same thing. Yeah. That makes sense. With everything, good right. and bad. Bad things happen. There's thousands of reasons for them to happen. And thinking about it in that way of like, you know, cause and effect. No, just rippling effect. So there's just ripples from everything that takes place. And okay. we label them good and bad. Right. <sighs> wow. Now my brain hurts. Yeah, man. Here we go. I, I like getting lost in that space. But then I'm like, that's just too spacey. There's too much stuff there. <laughs> There's nothing concrete in there. Then I have to like bounce it back and be like, okay, I've got my coffee cup on the table. <laughs> We're sitting in these chairs. We're not really out there in the space of ripples and energy. And so, you know, but it, what's, in, it's, what's insightful to me about that discussion is, yes, there are reasons and there are there there is an effect of it. But I also believe that people with free will and decision-making can control things in a way that this happened. Yeah, it happened for a reason because I made it fucking happen. That's why. Whether I messed up or not, I made it happen. Like, I messed up. And that goes back to, at least for me, being accountable for it and owning it. I am the reason that that happened, not some stardust balanced universe. I made a decision good. I made a good decision. Therefore that happened. I made a bad decision. Therefore that happened. And that bad decision where I am seeing, and maybe this is my old age coming to me is like that bad decision. Oh, I'll learn from it. It happened for a reason. It's going to be okay. No, you could have made a better decision and, and it, as opposed to, you know what, I, I, I fucked that up. I own it and I'm going to make it better next time. So I have conflicting spectrums of reason and cause and accountability in order to grow and learn as a person. And um, that's what's deep to me. And I think especially seeing as I get older, I'm, I'm in my late forties now and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a lot smarter than I was when I was 36 and a hell of a lot smarter than I was when I was 26 and boy, you know, and, 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 you know, there were certain times in my life where I felt like I was the smartest guy in the room and I couldn't do, I was, I was the hardest working guy in the room and I like, no one's going to outwork me. No one's ever going to outwork me. Some days I feel that way anyway, but, um, but I also want to make sure I own my mistakes so that way I can make it better and not find that reason that was out there for it to for it to cause rippling effects where there's no one around to to point the finger to. Okay, maybe that's a little bit off though. It's not. But it goes into the big discussion, right? So I'm going to make a bad decision and I'm going to drive drunk. I'm going to get drunk at the bar and I'm going to make a bad decision and I'm going to drive home and I'm going to drive home and I'm going to kill somebody. Terrible. That's my fault. I should have done better. I definitely could have made a different decision in that circumstance. The person that I killed gone, they're dead. So the child that was left by the person goes on to write legislation to change the laws surrounding drunk 
drivers and alcohol or whatever it may be that affects hundreds and thousands and millions of people potentially. Or, I mean, there's any number of what ifs that we could throw out there where my bad decision or the choice that I made, the ripple effects from that experience could potentially change thousands of people's lives for the better. So then do I have the opportunity to still Like, would you then change that bad decision? Would you then look at yourself and think that, damn it, I really screwed up? Yes, you would. But there's a part of it, like, it's not it's not alleviating accountability. It's not alleviating, like, whatever. I, You know, I'm just going to do whatever I do because it doesn't really matter in the end because there's no wrong or right or good or bad decision. I can do whatever I want. That's not the case. But it's also... We just don't know what happens by all of these interactions and experiences because there's no way to know. And I don't think we have to know. But the fact is, like when accidents happen or where things happen or where you make a wrong decision or a bad choice, there's still ripple effects from that experience that could potentially change people's lives. And because of that, I don't want to change the bad choice that I made. Hmm. Yes, I want to learn from it. And hopefully the next time I'm faced with a similar choice... I might choose differently, but at the same time, that point in time, because we can only deal with the present and where we're at, that different choice that I made in the future, right? When everything's, and I've learned from my mistakes and I've learned from my experiences, that too is going to have rippling effects, right? But I wouldn't have gotten to that point to have the ripple effects of that better choice had I not made the bad choice. So I don't want to change the fact that I made the bad choice. I want to make the bad choice and have the bad experience because down the road, those ripple effects are going to influence everything as well. So that's where we just have to say there's no good or bad. Everything's okay the way that it is. But you and I are on the same page. And what you're saying to me is that you have self-awareness of that bad decision. Where I've seen people saying, that wasn't my fucking fault. That dude gave me three shots. And I drove home drunk. And that's when I, that's why it wasn't my fault. It was the bartender's fault. It was the bartender's fault. Yeah. That's where I start to separate from it. It happens for a reason. It wasn't never this guy. Yeah. So that's somebody that is doing a really good job of listening to that outside voice. That's somebody that hasn't taken the time to really look at the middle. They're too busy listening to the outside voice of their head. Way to bring it home, Craig Salazar. <laughs> Way to bring that home, man. That was impressive. It's hard. It's all about balance in the in the end, right? And it's so like incredibly challenging. <laughs> that was good, man. The middle person, that's the guy listening to the guy on the shoulder and believing it. But you're what you're saying is he doesn't truly believe it. Here he's listening to the ego. That's not me. Do you know what I mean? Or like, is it him? Think about how because ne- I mean oftentimes I think about the negative because that's you know, that's what we all tend to focus on. So like my negative outside voice that looks at my life is really negative. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It thinks terrible things. It tells me terrible things. It looks at me and thinks I'm a ginormous piece of shit. And why are you even here anymore? It thinks terrible, terrible stuff all the time. Not constantly 24 seven, right? But when it pipes up, typically it's piping up with negative stuff. That's not who I am. That's not me. I don't think those terrible things about myself, you know, you can say something to yourself, um, my hair, my hair's gray. I'm like, yeah, your hair is gray. So what? That's not a big deal. Why do you have gray hair? I'm like, I don't know. I got gray hair, but I like my hair. 
we always counteract the negative. A lot of times we try to at least with something positive about ourselves, right? Because that's who we really are. We look at ourselves and we accept who we are, but it's when we start to listen to all those negative thoughts and even the positive ones, there's plenty of people that go to that opposite end of the spectrum as well, where we separate from who we really are. So is that the response of not to go too far off on the left lane, but wouldn't that, wouldn't there be some responsibility of the parents, you know, the rearing of that person to help them with their reflection of self self worth, right. And having that support infrastructure around you, because for example, yeah, I would say I've noticed there is that reflection of you in the way you, in your demeanor. But when you walked into my float center today, you kind of float on clouds to the people, to my to the five or six staff members that were there. Like, wow, this is the guy that did all this. So there was a, to me, a lot of prop positive energy that you could grow, that you could absorb and take and, and have a bit more positive self-reflection of that impact that you had on other people in, in, in our business, because you've brought something that was incredibly valuable. And plus the way you delivered it and how you brought it all home after the six or seven days that you were there. Um, I, I think that also goes back to how you, how we were all brought up. No. Yeah. I mean, how we're raised and what our parents did to us or didn't do and how they affected us or didn't affect us. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how are you doing as a parent? Are you doing a great job in that department? I, I'm, tr- <laughs> I'm trying really hard. Yeah. I'm trying really hard. And, and, um, you know, Amy and I are on two, you know, we came from two roads of life where we met in high school. Um, would never change that path ever. Uh, but definitely, you, I, I kind of look at it like, you know, you know, your high school self and if you're high school sweethearts, you know, your young adult self and you're over there. But then when you enter the, when, when children enter the picture, it's like, you don't even know each other. There's certain things about because of how you were raised and you were raised to two different ways. You know, when your mother, your wife, your spouse has had a certain upbringing. So her belief system in the way that they are her, at least her upbringing was dramatically compellingly different than mine. So those collide, those collide. So the person that you knew in your twenties and in high school, all of a sudden you look at that person differently. Like, Whoa, like, do I know you? (laughs) I still love you. I'm never going to, you know, you're my, my wife. I love you. And I, we're going to, but wow, I never knew this about you because there's different elements in the relationship that were introduced that there was that part of your life that you never knew about until it actually happened. In our case, it was children, right? I think that was to me like profound for me, you know, cause I immigrant family from the Philippines, 1972, 70, you know, 1972, my, they came over 73. I was born, moved around the East coast, didn't have a lot of money and, you know, plowed our way through here we are i met my high school sweetheart much different upbringing and um yeah i just learning each other was a very uh i don't know enlightening 
God, where did I was I going? Was I going in the right spot 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 with that? I don't know where you're going. But yeah, it's I was, okay. <laughs> I was like, I don't know where I got lost I'm in myself. Still listening. It's hard. Yeah, yeah. When you get to that point, like I don't think people that don't have kids don't understand this. Right, right. And I've had this conversation with people before, and like I feel bad because I've talked to people before about love, and I'm like, you don't really know what love is. Yeah, but I have dogs. Yeah, and <laughs> I love dogs. Right. Um, I love. I don't love cats. Um, <laughs> I love a lot of people and a lot of things in my life, but the depth of love that takes place when you have a child, I, I, I actually just had this conversation the other day with my daughter as well, a different daughter. Um, <laughs> how many textures and layers and shades and tones of love that there are and they're all the same thing and they all kind of paint the same picture but there's so many textures and colors to it and the color that comes when you have kids affects all the other colors it's like suddenly we're dealing you know maybe we just had pastels and then we had kids and suddenly like holy shit pastels look different now like, you know, blue looks different now. Uh, orange, everything just suddenly looks different. It's brighter. It's more vibrant. There's suddenly a whole other palette scheme that we have at our disposal because of the love that takes place when you have kids. Right. Now, it doesn't change the love that you had before that. It's still the same love, and it's still massively important, and it's still powerful, and you can still have love and experience love and everything like that. But suddenly it's like, oh, my God, I never knew that this existed until you have a child. That's exactly right. That's compelling. I mean, it, it throws everything for a loop. It totally does, man. <laughs> it totally does. It totally does. And How old's your oldest? Your boy, right? Charlie is 13 and Eleanor, Ellie is 11. Uh, Charlie's in eighth grade and Ellie's in, um, in sixth. So, uh, yeah, it's we're, that what's cool about that whole journey is learning about yourself, which has gotten me to reflect on my upbringing as well and Amy as well. So, uh, that's really interesting. And it's also something that we have to prioritize as a family. Um, so that way, the things that I, to your point about the decision-making and what I went through, there's a reason for it to make, in some cases, to make others better and make myself better so I can pass those on. Now, this is the shitty spot. I don't know if, it, like, maybe you've experienced this and maybe you kind of think about this, but my kids have to have shitty experiences. My kids have to have bad things happen to them. My kids have to go through stuff. Yeah. And I have to let it happen. I have to watch it. I can't rob them of that experience because of the ripple effects that will take place. A hundred percent. I can't take that opportunity away from them because they're going to need that experience 10 years from now. A hundred percent. I fucking hate that part. It's tough because you want to protect them. That's all you want to do. Yeah. You want to put them in a box and say, I love you so much. This box is full of love. You want to rest. You always want to have a soft landing spot for them. Yes. And what, and you're right. 10 years from now, it's going to impact their relationships with other people mm -hmm. because they won't have dad to have a, fall, a soft landing spot. And we as parents have a responsibility to make sure they go through that conflict, learn from it develop an ethic around it and then impact others positively so that way they can be they can be contributing citizens of the world is that what we want though <laughs> do you know what i mean 
like I, I, th I think about this shit all the time, Carlos. And I think about it in the context of my kids as well. And I used to, when my kids were little, I just wanted them to be happy and healthy. Like that's kind of the underlying tone for everything. I just want them to be happy and healthy. But my idea of what happy and healthy looked like has evolved and changed. So I still want my kids to be happy and healthy in life. I don't care what they choose to do. I don't care who they choose to be with. I don't, none of that matters to me. Just as long as you're happy and you're healthy. But my idea of what makes up happy and what makes up healthy has evolved and changed so much. So it's like what really is healthy? Well, in order for my kids to be healthy, it's not just their physical health. It used to just be like in my mind when I would say that I just wanted to be happy and healthy. It's like, well, I want them to have physical health. It's not just physical health anymore. I want them to be emotionally healthy. I want them to be mentally healthy, spiritually healthy all of these different things. So now I just expanded it by like four. Well, how do I create my, how do I give my kids a foundation of emotional health or mental health so that as they move throughout life and as they grow up, they're healthy in that space as well. I have a responsibility. I have an opportunity, I should say. It's not necessarily a responsibility, but I have an opportunity to help them in that space by giving them something to, start with in regards to their emotional and their mental and their spiritual health. But then it's like, well, what does that look like? How do you do that? I don't fucking know. Like I'm figuring that out on my own because I didn't get that. You know, my parents kept me healthy physically. I was safe. You know, yeah. I, I was able to grow up and not be concerned about my well-being. I had a roof over my head and I was fed. So physically I was kept healthy. Emotionally, not really. You know, mentally, mm, no, didn't really succeed in that space. What about spiritually? No, we kind of felt there too. We didn't really do the greatest job keeping that part of you healthy. So I have to learn how to do that for myself. And then how the hell do I impart that to my 12 year old boy? Like that's the part that's but like, look at the beautiful thing about that. You know, that emotional or the lack of emotional presence has developed you into this person to hope impart those learnings onto others, right? And from your own kids all the way to your clients, you know, so that I feel the same exact way, you know, it's, it's, how do we, I, children, especially our children, you know, they have to go through the conflict to learn and to overcome and have the mental fortitude to persevere. That's where I struggle with a lot of times and talk to them about the, from the beginning of the podcast what are the things that are on my mind and what I struggle with? That's a big part. That's a big one is making sure I do think energy can be bad and good, you know, positive energy, negative energy, bad energy, whatever you want to call it. So putting my children and making them positive, having them impact others in a positive way. That's what I want, right? I don't want them taking up energy space where there should be where someone else could use that space better or i don't mean i don't mean to judge it that way but that that's definitely the big part of my when i see my kids i i think about that a lot need more coffee man i know want some uh no i'm good <laughs> um steph and i talked about this on the way when i was coming here and we were driving to the airport and we were talking about our boy because he's having some issues at school and he's dealing with like all sorts of different stuff at school. 
and the education system sucks and we don't need to go off on the tangent on that and all that kind of stuff. But I realized in verbalizing it and talking to her about it, I'm like, what I want my son to do is learn how to influence people, not like in a controlling way, but how to approach and remain open to people. I want him to be able to express himself. I want him to be able to communicate. I want him to use the big, beautiful heart that he has in moving through life. And I don't want that to get shut down because he struggles in expressing what he's thinking, what he's feeling, right? And anytime he kind of is confronted with opposition, he just shuts down, which is super normal for a 12-year-old kid, right? He has no idea what the hell he's feeling inside. But how do we help him remain open and also learn how to communicate through his openness and not get shut down in adversity. And then it's like, I don't know. I don't know how to do that other than like leading by example and looking for opportunities to like feed that side of him, right? As opposed to, I think about all the time, like what am I teaching my son, right? I've got to teach him responsibility. I have to teach him um, honor. I have to teach him respect. I have to teach him accountability. I have to teach him all of these different things. I'm like, what if I don't have to teach him a goddamn thing? What if I just get to sit back and watch and see what he learns and hold space for him while he's learning those things and then do the best that I can to, uh, direct or guide. No, just show him lead by example, all the things that I think I need to teach him. So if I need to teach him, uh, respect, then I need to lead by what I want to show him. If I need to teach him vulnerability, I need to display vulnerability. If I mm. need to teach him um, accountability, you know, your word means something. If you're going to say it, you better do it. Like, you know, we show up. Like, if we're going to tell somebody we're going to be there, we're going to be there. And we're going to be early. <laughs> right? <laughs> How do I teach him that? Well, the only way to teach him that is to do that so that he sees it. So I can just watch what he does not try to influence or change his choices or actions, but just realize all he's doing is watching me. And the best way that I can teach him is just simply by example, by doing all of these things that I want to teach him. Yeah, that's a hundred. I couldn't agree with you more. Your parents are the biggest coaches. So why don't we do a better job at it, Carlos? Cause I suck at it. Yeah. <laughs> especially when you, when you, you know, especially when you lose your shit. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's something that, you know, we, your, your, your kids will see that, you know, and, oh God. What does it look like when you lose your shit? Oh my God. I hope you wish you were going to ask that. <laughs> Cause it's probably very similar to me. Oh, I lose my shit, man. It's ugly. Yeah, it is, man. It's, 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 it's definitely something that I try to suppress and to your point, not judge it, find center. Don't listen here. Don't listen there. But um, I'm getting better at it. I'm trying to be more self-aware of it. Try to walk away when I need to walk away. It's bad. I mean, it's just you know, I, I blow. Who doesn't blow their top? I, I got it. I, I, you know, the ego in me just justifying it. Everybody blows their top, right? Right. <laughs> I think everybody should blow their top. Not everybody does. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Yeah, it's human nature, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. But how we do it and then the ways that we do it, I think is the it's the same thing. How it manifests is the is the issue, right? Right. 
Because if you think about, you know, the, the, the phrase, the terminology, blowing your top, like you're losing your temper, you're exploding with all of this stuff. That's just because you've kept so much, you know, stuff down. Right. Rather than, like, I think about, I'm trying to think of an example recently. Um, not just with like frustration or with anger, but with immense emotion regardless. So when I feel something incredibly strong inside, so if I feel really sad and I start to have this incredible sad feeling that overcomes me, maybe I start to cry a little bit, maybe something comes up for me, I'm, I push it down. I'm like, nope, I'm not going to feel that today. Or like, oh, I'm not going to let that get out of hand. I can't go there right now. I can't do that right now. I'll wait and do that later or something like that, right? And it's the same thing with like anger. We temper it. We let it come, but not too much. We temper it. We'll get upset, and then we'll shove it down. I can't do that right now. I got to control my anger. I got to go to my happy place. I got to breathe through this, whatever the case may be. Why not just let that shit come when it comes rather than tamping it down? Because all that emotion is healthy to have. There's nothing wrong with having it. It's just how we choose to let it out when the time comes. I would much rather teach my son to talk through his anger, even if he gets loud, even if he gets expressive, even if he gets angry, talk through that, express yourself through that anger, let that anger flow and let it come out. And in the meantime, you can talk and you can feel and you can express through that process so that as it goes down, then we're in a much more level place where we can actually have a conversation. But don't shut that off. Don't close that down. I want to feel your anger. I want to hear your anger. I want you to be able to express your anger or your frustration so that I can, you know, because the last thing I want to do is for him to just bottle everything up, shove that shit down. You can't be angry. You can't be upset. Don't talk to me like that. Right. There's so many times where I do that all the time to him, where I tamp his emotions down, what he's trying to express or what he's trying to say. I'm like, you don't talk to me like that. You don't get to talk to your mother like that. I tell him that one a lot. When he says something to mom that pisses me off, I'm like, oh, come here, you little shit. <laughs> I do that too. Yeah. Amy does it too. So you bring up an interesting point, you know, letting them talk it through. And then, as a parent, how do you police that without the disrespect and the and the acting out? Where it, then you start focusing your thoughts on let him let him have it, let him go. Versus like you start judging it. You don't do that. You judge it. You're the you're Judge Judy that day, regardless of what he's going through. That to me is a balance. And like and, you know, Amy and I both get caught up in that. We get caught up in that emotion because he can be any child and I don't want to just say my children but any child could be very I would imagine when they're upset they're upset and they're going to do what they're going to do regardless of the consequence or regardless of their impact um how do you not judge it and let it go what if we just go back to that thing where I'm just watching because the reason we judge it is because we want to correct the behavior, because we want to teach him something, because we want him to be happy and we want him to move through life and be able to have relationships and have positive impacts on people and everything like that. So I need to correct that behavior. Otherwise, he's not going to be happy. He's going to realize when he gets out into the real world that he can't behave that way because people aren't going to respond to him and all these kind of different things, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to display that for him. Right. I'm just going to show him that. I'm not going to correct the behavior at the time. I'm not going to try to teach him a lesson or use the experience as a teaching moment, right? I'm just going to display that behavior for him. And 
in my head, it makes perfect fucking sense. Like intellectually, I'm like, I'm on to something here. I right. really like this. Yeah, yeah. This is making a lot You're of sense. You're getting it, right? And then I'm like, mm, there's another part of me that's like, this isn't going to work. I can't do this. Because <laughs> I'm like, what about this scenario? What about this situation? But if I think, if I really think about it, and if I were to dedicate myself to that, man, I think I would raise some happy kids. Because they're going to watch me go through all of it. They're going to learn by watching me. They're going to learn by the process of how I'm expressing, how I'm communicating, all these things that I want to impart to them. They're going to learn just simply by watching me. And then they're going to do the exact same thing that kids have done since the dawn of time. They're going to model their parents because that's what they were shown. Yeah, it's, that, that's very insightful. You know, I wish I can, you know, we're all working on it. And I, we were trying or we are trying to lead by that example and um try not to be too judgy but also impart some knowledge so that way they have consequence you know so what if the knowledge that we're imparting is just the just watching do you know what i mean yeah and 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 that's where you know, again i think we people as parents we struggle with that because if if it's affecting other people in a way that um, is reflective, you know, you kind of care about the reflection of yourself and you care about, I think, the, the ego. What do they think about me if I'm raising this thing, child that's acting this way? So your immediate reaction is, hey, you can't do that. You can't do that to Mr. Jones. He's an adult. You can't talk to him that way. So like, do you let that go? Let, let that happen? Because you know 10 years from now, he can't do that to another adult. And the other thing is, Craig, which is fat, which I think is interesting, is because they're younger, their children are our, our children, they're not, they won't correct us. They won't, they don't have the, the, the pass to call us out when we behave that way. So naturally, they're going to probably suppress some feelings as well. And judge them, and that will manifest when they get older. That's exactly what happened to me. I see things that happen growing up. And I'm like that. I could never tell my mom or dad that that was wrong or right or whatever. Of course, when it's right, you're like, "Hey, dad, that was awesome." But when it's wrong, you're like, zip it up. And then what happens? It manifests. You get older, and the apple doesn't fall that far from the tree. In some cases, I don't know. You know. Carlos, I think we've done a wonderful job of giving the listeners a ton of unanswered questions and <laughs> shit to ponder and no solutions whatsoever. <laughs> wow. Wow. You, you mean, I told you, you get deep, man. You get deep and it's, uh, it's, it's very introspective. It's, uh, an amazing, it's a, it's very interesting discussion. Thanks, man. What are you going to do with your anxiety? Go surf. Yeah. I look at your room here that we're sitting in and you have you're surrounded by all the answers. <laughs> You've yeah. got a surfboard on one wall. You've got <laughs> countless fucking amazing guitars on the other wall. <laughs> You've got Pearl Jam on that wall. <laughs> right. Uh, everywhere you look, you have answers to how to cope and deal with your anxiety. Yeah, my because, children and my wife. Yeah. You know? This is the stuff that's going to feed you, Carlos. This is the stuff that's going to keep Carlos in the center so that he stops listening to the two sides. I, I, I got to find time to do it. 
you know, that's well, the, where are you finding time? You don't find time, Carlos. You gotta make time, right? Time doesn't even exist. Like literally, it's the present moment. That's all we have. All right. That's it. Yeah. Time doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. You need to be coaching all of my clients at Urban Float, man. (laughs) Because the first thing that enters our mind is this thing over? (laughs) Yeah. You're right where you're at. The time doesn't exist. There's no past. There's no future. It's just all right now. You you know I'm going to take that. And every client's going to know that now. It's good. It's gold. That's great. You're hired. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. That's, I didn't uh, coin that phrase. I'm pretty sure that I got that from somebody but else. It's insightful, and you know what? People need to know that in the present moment. Yeah. Don't. What else judge. do we have control over? Absolutely nothing. We can sit and stew about the future, and we can dwell on the past, but those things are over, and those things haven't happened yet. So I only have influence and control over the present moment. So there's literally no reason why you can't play these guitars. Because you have the time. Because time doesn't exist. That is so true. And then when we get caught up and you're thinking, yeah, but I got all this shit that I got to do. No, you don't. That shit hasn't happened yet, Carlos. Hasn't happened yet. (laughs) The fact is we could die at any given moment. Right, right. Right. And why are we wasting time when we could die at any given moment? Wow. So my takeaway is I'm... I'm going to make a concerted effort to not reorganize dirty dishes. Amen. Which is going to be super hard for me. Amen. Um, do you ever go on a binge and just like do all the laundry at once and like fold? Like I get like one of the things that I, I'll just, the, the, the mountain of laundry will just pile up and I'll just go on a binge and just spend all day Saturday and just get it, knock it all out. Bang. It was just like, you know, suppressing, let it go, let it go. Like I said, I can't take it anymore. Yeah. Mine's not the laundry too much. <laughs> Um, which is surprising. Like it drives me crazy when I see it, but I've been able to let the laundry go. Mine are things like the the dishes, the kitchen, the counter, like the kitchen is kind of my space. I, I like, cause I know cooking. you like to cook. Yeah. Right. Like I, that's important. I like, you know, that's kind of like my little space sure. right in the center of our home where I feel like I have everything that I need right there. I can, you know, our coffee's there, <laughs> our fridge is there. <laughs> I can do everything that I need right there in the kitchen. So I like it nice and organized because that's my space. Not to say that it's not everybody's space, but that's where I like. So if I go crazy and I need to like deal with all the shit that's fucking driving me nuts, <laughs> I'll clean the kitchen really well. And then I'll take the time to like clean the kitchen. And you feel amazing after you I done. do. I feel much better yeah. afterwards. Yeah. But I would rather just fucking process those feelings and not let them build up. I would rather talk through what I'm experiencing. I would rather literally just feel what I'm feeling rather than let it build up to the point where I feel like I have to scrub the kitchen. Because yeah. it's so much easier that way, Carlos. Because also when you do it all, when you scrub the kitchen, or in my case, when I do all the laundry, three, 500 pieces of it or whatever, through four kids, two kids and my wife and myself, I'm exhausted at the end. Mm-hmm. So you don't. <laughs> and all you've done is taken a break from your brain. Right. That's all you've done. Right. All you did was distract yourself enough that you're not thinking anymore. Right. I did that like two weeks ago. I told you we got tons of snow. Right. I got to the point where I was like, I'm going to go out and shovel the snow. And I spent like the next three, four hours shoveling snow. I did our driveway. I did our neighbor's driveway simply because I didn't want to think anymore. I didn't want to deal with what I was dealing with. I didn't want to process things anymore. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's almost meditative. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) 
kind of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a, maybe a level of meditation there, but, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with checking out. That's totally fine and normal and healthy, and there's balance in that space. It's just when we check out too much. When you don't have to make a decision. Yeah, that's wonderful. When you don't have to make a decision. When you walk into my my float center and you've got to make all these decisions, I see the stress in your mind because it's not the engine's not right there like where you where you requested it to be. Mm-hmm. Now you've got to figure this out. And some people will embrace that as a puzzle, and some people will say, "God damn it." It's, this is going to be way harder than it's supposed to be. Negative and negative Nancy, mm-hmm. right? So, I'd rather go shovel the driveway right now. I have to make a decision. Yeah. Thank you, Carlos. Thank you, Craig. It's this was an awesome. honor, man. I appreciate it, man. Okay, super man. You, fun. you, uh, I ha- you know, this is like a super pro setup, man. So <laughs> awesome. I, well, hopefully, next time I didn't, you know, hopefully I'm privileged enough to do it again. This yeah. is awesome. I'll be. A lot less nervous, not yeah. less like tense and be like, I'm on guard a little bit. I want to make sure I, I'm insightful enough for your audience. No, you know, it's not bad, huh? It's super easy. It's just a fun conversation. And you're, and you're good at like bringing it down and like it, it and you're good at like bre- allowing someone to bring out the conversation, which I think is really cool about your podcast, you know, you, cause that's why it's such a sound. The sound is so nice and you, it's calming. Yeah, you need to have your voice. I told you when I first met you, you got a podcast voice. (laughs) (laughs) Got to have your voice in our pods. There you go. (laughs) Is there anything you want to throw out before we're done? Uh, Hey, well, um, Urban Float in Rehoboth Beach opened up past couple of weeks. Amazing community response. Come visit us. Uh, Amazing staff. Craig Salazar, our guru of flotation and self-awareness and meditative thinking and deep thoughts. I will not be there. <laughs> Go float for sure, but I will not be there. <laughs> but uh, Craig was uh, a big part of it in the beginning. So um, for that, I thank you. Thank you, man. Yeah. I appreciate it. Letting go. I mean, that's that's that to me is, wow. That was like, let it go. You know, you kind of care about the reflection of yourself and you care about I think the ego, go surf. I am the reason that that happened, not some stardust balanced universe. I made a good decision, therefore that happened. I made a bad decision, therefore that happened. 